We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, y'all? We are back with One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield, Jordan Foote, and Josh Kaiser. Joining me as always, gentlemen, baseball is back. Spring training's in full swing. The World Baseball Classic next week. And at the time of recording, uh, we are 30 days from opening day at Kauffman Stadium. Uh, it's a pretty exciting time here, man. Thanks. Uh, so glad that you guys are on here with me. We're actually, uh, at the time of recording, recording on the 28th. One year ago today, the Royal stuff kicked off at KCSN, and now we're kind of beginning our 2023 season here today, one year later. So kind of a cool little little moment, and I'm excited for uh, for what's to come here. What did you get it for our anniversary, Joel? What did you get me? This podcast. That'll do. Love it. <laughs> That'll play. I- I'm fine yeah. with that. Um, I also – I'm fine with KCSE, Joel. You want, you want to talk a little bit more about them? Hey, one of the best places in the area to train if you have a baseball or softball player. Be sure to go check them out. Uh, if you if you know of anybody that wants to get better, and they don't just do baseball. They do a bunch of other sports. I, they have, I saw a whole thing. They did a promo for golf. They, they train they train golfers as well for for all that kind of stuff. So any anything in the area to train, but specifically for baseball and softball, KC throwing uh, is a really big deal. Eli McFadden, the guy that that ran KC throwing for the last couple of years, now works for the Royals. Uh, so that just shows you the type of reputation this place has. So be sure to go check them out. And we thank them as always for sponsoring this show. So guys, so like I said, spring training's underway. There have been five games played so far. There's not a lot to take away from those five games. Like you can take some overarching stuff, but making any sort of hard line opinions and overreactions is just a futile exercise because it's five games and you really need a bigger sample to, to go on baseball. Uh, but obviously people are going to have their, their stupid takes and want to, you know, riot because Daniel Lynch gave up three runs in his first inning of, or second inning of work in the spring after punching out three <laughs> in his first, like, okay, whatever. Um, but with the season playing, we actually have real baseball to watch. What have just been some of your overall thoughts on uh, from what you've seen so far? We'll start with you, Jordan. Um, I think, man, I don't know when they're going to be losing. Um, that that's the main takeaway is that the Royals dominate the Cactus League and, and they always one, do. Um, they are they're just good, man, in spring trading. And it's one of those things like I remember, and I know this is a baseball podcast, but the year the Lions went 0 and 16, I think they were 4 and 0 that preseason. Everyone was like, Oh, the Lions have a deep <laughs> team, they're gonna be really good this year. And then they 
they effing sucked like all year. So um, it's one of those things where obviously the variance is weird. This is a small sample size. You're getting guys that aren't going to be on the big league team. Like I'd like to know, and there's probably a study out there somewhere, like the correlation between spring training record and performance versus regular season. There's a lot of factors at play there. Um, but I think, again, it's, it's what, five games so far, and the Royals have had some good moments. I think guys like Michael Garcia, Vinny Pasquantino, uh, Fran Mil Reyes have stuck out. I think the new like catcher framing raid the zone type thing set up is going well. We're going to peel back more of these layers, but um, good things so far. And that's, you know, whether it's a big deal or a minor deal, that's better than the alternative. I need you to shut up and read me how many, how many games is that Royals going to win? 129. They're four and one right now in the, in the cactus light and the hashtag on pace guy, Josh guy on pace (laughs) for 130. I'm going to round up 130 wins in the 2023 MLB season, your Kansas city Royals. Uh, very excited for it, but in all seriousness, yes, you guys are both right. We're in spring training. We're all hope, uh, springs anew. And, uh, I drink the Kool-Aid every year. I'm trying not to this year, but I just want to see progress across the board, whatever that looks like I'm into it. So I, that's, that's basically what I want to see from this team in 2023, but baseball's back, baby. It is back. And so is my passion for this game. I love it. Can't wait for it to start. There is a certain amount of optimism that comes around every single year for me, just because I love the game of baseball so much. And I want to believe that this team is is going to be different and good. I mean, we haven't seen the playoffs since 2015 when they won the world series, but this season, like at least in, in camp over these first couple of weeks, it feels different. It feels like they're building that sort of winning, that winning culture that they really need to implement now for the future. It's not just a a quick fix one size fits all thing. And it's just going to immediately be a winner. It's not that, but they're laying that foundation early. It's very clear that Macatrero has a really good feel for that. And the guys he's been able to bring in with Paul Hoover and uh, Zach Bove and uh, Brian Sweeney really are getting things going and laying that solid foundation for the process with how they are going to win. Now it may not lead to, incredible results this season, but we know that at least the process is in place for what is going to lead Kansas city to being a winning ball club here in the future. But we're starting to see some of those little things actually work at least in, you know, a small sample through five games, the raid, the zone stuff, as simple as telling the pitchers, Hey, just throw it down the middle, just throw strikes. Good things happen when you put the ball over the strike zone, which if that's what it takes, Man, that's a massive indictment on the last regime. I don't know what they were trying to do, but it seems that, like I mean, whatever it thought, is, whatever yeah, it is, that it's kind of like uh, catching on. It, it seems like it was basically like the Rays were the only ones doing that main concept, which seems so simple, but yeah. nobody was taught to do that. So it was very not just the Royals were behind on that, though. Yeah, for for sure. But it, it's just like that. You know, sometimes the the hardest things can be broken down with just a simple task right yeah and that's that's really what this seems to be but the guys are buying in there's no it doesn't seem like there's any resistance to what Quatrero and company are bringing in and what they're trying to implement and it seems to be working at least early on there's still a long way to go we're going to see it in a larger sample here coming up in about a month but early indications give me really good optimism for the 
the progress that we can see this season. That's really, Josh, you hit on that too. I'm, I think the Royals are going to win 75 games, something like that, 75, 77 games. And if that means that they're throwing out five rookies or five young starting pitchers a night, and sure, they may get shellacked every once in a while, but we see those signs of them getting better. They're putting seven or eight you know, young guys in the lineup that are three years or less of service time in the lineup outside of Salvador Perez, and they're getting their at-bats. They're figuring it out. You know, that's what we need to see because this is the year where you have to figure out and evaluate that and implement these processes that they are very key on to succeed in a small market at the big league level. Then they're going to be, they're going to have to figure it out. And right now I feel pretty good about where they're at from a leadership perspective. It's the best I've felt since Ned Yost was here. And I think that they're in a really good place. I, I think, and this is very non not just baseball, it's sports in general and just life. I think like people kind of overlook, you hear different things, you hear from other people, different things, stuff is reported, stuff is swirled around. Everyone, whether you're tapped in or not tapped in knows by now, the the Mike Matheny clubhouse was not great, right? And, and not it many was people really liked, bad. I'll just yeah. call spade a spade. It was terrible. <laughs> it was not a really cool story. Okay, like people didn't like coming into work. Not, not many people kind of got along with that vibe. Simply liking what you do and liking the people you work with and liking the people who are technically in charge of you and are trying to teach you. If you have, if you're a student and you hate your classmates or you love your classmates, but your teacher's so bad, your principal's bad, the school sucks. You're like, why do I go? You know, you know, you have to do it, but you don't want to do it. If you're at a job and like, you like a lot of your coworkers, you all want to accomplish a certain goal, but your team leader sucks or your manager's bad. This is a, a macro thing, not a micro thing, but if you just like showing up and that's something that I don't know if it leads to, three more wins. I don't know if it leads to five more wins. Like at a certain point, you also have to play and the players have to produce and the coaches have to coach, but all other things equal. If you ran everything back last year with the Royals that how many wins did they have 67 last 65. year, five, 65. Um, if you run that back with this current regime with Q and all those guys, just all other things equal, probably win a few more games just because people 100%. like showing up. And I, I think that, that in and of itself, we can talk about small scale takeaways from small sample sizes. We can talk about specific players like broad scheme, uh, broad picture. That's something that I think people are kind of sweeping under the rug almost just because those moves have already happened. Yeah, I was kind of the same way as far as like sweeping things under the rug. People were giving out their offseason grades these last few weeks and everybody was like, like beating them up because it's basically the same roster they're bringing back. A, I understand that. That roster won 65 games last year for the most part. But the thing that they got right seemingly are these coaching staffs, and they yes. absolutely uh, like absolutely overturned the whole major league staff outside of the, the, the hitting. And that in and of itself is how they were supposed to approach this offseason. Whenever they fired Matheny, whenever they fired Dayton Moore, this was always going to be a rebuilding year. So they were never going to spend money to go get DeGrom or Aaron Judge. That was never on the table. You had to see what you have with this roster that you currently have and then plug holes once you figure out the strengths and the weaknesses of this roster. And you also do that by getting good coaching in here. 
And that's exactly what they did. I love all the reports that I've heard about. And it might be lip service. And this is me drinking the Kool-Aid. But I feel like there's just so much smoke around the just the improvement in communication, the everybody buying in, the the track record of all these guys. All of that is adding up to hopefully success. And anybody giving the Royals a C minus or below in their offseason grades needs to get out of here. Because they did exactly what they needed to do in this offseason, added a great coaching staff, and uh, I'm excited to see what, what, how many wins that does translate to. Really, really quickly, Joel, um, before yeah. I kick it back to you, I'm just going to read part of an article from the KC Star that was a few days ago. Yeah. Um, it's about uh, Q. I'm just going to keep calling him Q because, like, it, the name is said a few different times. I think it's easier to call him Q. I'm just going to keep everybody doing calls him Q from what I've seen. Yeah. So, so I think that's fine. This is from Sam McDowell, who does great work, by the way. If you guys, you know, are into baseball stuff or just sports stuff, follow him in KC. Um, Ultimately, the players followed their leader, and Matheny's natural personality was closer to drill sergeant than camp counselor. The room absorbed that environment, and over the course of a 162-game season, the rigid culture grew exhausting. I know a takeaway from this will be criticism of Matheny, maybe in a roundabout way, blah, blah, blah. The bigger point is that it's more about fit than ability. As one player said, I liked Mike as a person. I truly believe he had our best interest, wholeheartedly cared for guys in their careers, but his tone just wasn't right um, for the group we had and made it tough. So Mm. you can say Mike Matheny was cool. You can say the story was cool. You can say, you know, that he wasn't as bad as people think. And I think that sometimes that rings true, but at the end of the day, players were like, it, it wasn't the fit. So mm. it, it really seems like that that's kind of the general sentiment that we've gotten. And it kind of fits the way the Royals kind of were under the Dayton Moore era for a long time was they were very rigid in how they wanted to run things. And it kind of go, it goes back to pitching as well, because for so long, the Royals were very, very cookie cutter on how they wanted their pitchers to look, how they drafted their pitchers. Uh, what they wanted them to throw it was like a sinker slider exclusively, and you had to be like six foot three or taller. Like they, they just ran things a certain way. One size fits all. Everybody's going to do the same offseason program to get going because we want everybody to look the same. Mm-hmm. Quatrero comes in, brings in Brian Sweeney and Zach Bove, and it's individualized offseason programs. Hey, I want to go to driveline and work on a two seamer. Okay. They're great, all for it. it. Yeah, yeah. They're all they for it. I, I can't list off the amount of guys that went to driveline this offseason. I know Vinny did for sure. Isbell, Grinky worked there. Yeah. Um, Keller. A Keller, Brad Keller is working on a curveball because mm. he hasn't been able to throw a, anything other than sink or slider for his entire career. He might as well try something new in a walk year, coincidentally. <laughs> but Probably they're, fi- they're finally going, hey, you know what? Maybe instead of having a cookie cutter one size fits all approach to having all of our pitchers do all maybe we try and have their best interests in mind and try and figure out the best way to help them succeed individually on the field. And maybe that will help them succeed overall in their career. What mm-hmm. a concept, but yeah. reading that and hearing that, like I still felt that even if all of you know that they weren't going that far radically from where the previous regime was, I'm still thinking, man, I think they can still win 75 games. And maybe that's just the optimism in me. I said that last year. I look like an <laughs> asshole all year because I was the sunshine <laughs> pumper with the Kool-Aid. And this year I was like, man, I people are just going to laugh at me and say the same crap. But reading that, I'm like, 
oh yeah, they're going to win 75 games. Like I just, <laughs> I just feel it. I just feel it now that like, and look at us thinking that that's success. Look at us. Hey, you know, sometimes you got to clear low bars to get where sad, you want to go. Sad, Joel. It, it is sad. That's the thing. It is sad. I sad. get it. But if we want to get the, you want to, you know, keep, you know, moving it up, then you got to yeah. start somewhere. And yeah. a 10 win improvement from year one, you know, from previous year to the, to now, that's massive. And yeah, that'd be a it, huge success. It helps. And yeah, 10 to 12 wins would be huge for mm-hmm. all of these young guys starting to see more success at the big league level. A lot of them would be entering year three, year four in the big leagues. And then you can really start to make that push with a core that mm-hmm. you have established in a year where you're evaluating all of that. So there is a lot that goes into it. But as I mentioned a few minutes ago, like all the processes that they're doing right now, it feels like they're laying solid foundation for what they want. And mm-hmm. now it's a matter of the guys going out and executing that or, you know, trying to execute it and it just doesn't work. And then you cut bait, move on and try and bring someone else that can fit that mold. So there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of moving parts this year when it comes to that. But we, we you know, we'll, we'll just beat a dead horse saying it feels like the Royals are doing things the right way. At least it feels that way right now. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. And that doesn't just 
exclusively pertain to the pitching staff. Not at all, that but that's been, Hoover working with Salvi and, yeah. and MJ about framing mechanics and positional behind the plate is huge. Um, that uh, we also had our boy <laughs> Quadrasil, <laughs> Jose Alguacil, working with the infielders. I'm into Good it. Grief. Like it's not just exclusively <laughs> to the the pitching staff here. It is also they're trying to get everybody developed, get everybody's deficiencies into uh, at least somewhere where they can be useful. Uh, that way, they can their strengths can absolutely shine, and their their deficiencies aren't absolutely weighing them down. So. Uh, yeah, just the whole staff turnover in and in, in of itself is huge. Cannot be overstated. Yes. So now to, to talk about actual baseball and, and what we've seen over the last week or so, it's five games, so there's not a ton to go off of. It's like five to seven at-bats for a lot of guys. It's three to four innings. But give me one pitcher and one hitter that's kind of stood out to you at least a little bit early on and, and you've liked what you've seen. Uh, Josh, we'll, we'll go to you to start this one. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the er the easy one, uh, Vinny Pasquantino. Okay, uh, we all knew that he was legitimate. He he came and came on fire, especially towards the end of the season last year. A boy, uh, but in seven at bats, he's got four ribbies. He's got a home run. He's got a few uh, RBI singles in there. Uh, no strikeouts and has walked. And this is all that Vinny Pasquantino does. This is what he does. He hits RBIs, he hits home runs, he does not strike out, he walks. Um, we just love the guy. So it's very cool to see him kind of you know, maintain the momentum. Um, he's becoming a household name, showing up on literally every podcast and baseball show there is out there. It seems like uh -huh. they've had Vinny on as a guest in the offseason. So uh, it's really cool to see him like hit the momentum and then go into the, we'll see what he does in the World Baseball Classic. I'm pumped to see what he does for Team Italy there. Um, as far as pitchers go, haven't seen a whole lot of the pitching. Uh, I love that Grinky is coming on and, and been good, but uh, Aroldis Chapman today was absolute nails. Just some crazy, crazy bad swings uh, that he had today. So I was really pumped to see that. If he is any kind of a force in that bullpen, that bullpen becomes an absolute weapon between some of the three or four guys that they have at the back of it. So if Chapman turns into a dude – uh, say what you want about him off the field, whatever. But if he's producing on the uh, on the diamond, he's going to become an asset, a valuable trade piece towards the deadline. Uh, or maybe uh, he endures himself with the city and becomes uh, potentially a guy that sticks around for a year or two. So those are the two guys. I probably took the easy, the low-hanging fruit on both of those dudes, but uh, they've been the loudest to me. It's no. really cool to see, like, Vinny. Like, we believed in Vinny since, like, 2020. That's been like that. We were kind of the early guys on that, and to see not only like his ascendance, but the way that the national media and other you know podcasts and people treat him, it's it's crazy uh, how much expectation is on him. Even with fan graphs, you look at the projected weighted runs created plus for first baseman. It goes Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Pete Alonso, Paul Goldschmidt, Vinny Pasquantino. He is crazy. First baseman when it comes to projected stats. Scruggs on MLB Network when they did the, the 30 clubs in 30 days thing for uh for the Royals. They were talking about Bobby Wood Jr. and all the young guys. And he's like, I think this guy could be as important, if not more important, to the Royals future than Bobby Wood Jr. talking about Vinny Pasquantino. Uh friend of the show, Peter Apple at Just Baseball Media. He and his the Just Baseball show do have done a like a top their top 10. Uh, you know, at each position 
uh, over the last couple of weeks. They just did their first baseman the other day, listed Vinny at number eight. After 70 big league games, they already think that he could be, they already have him as a top 10 first baseman in the league. They're looking at him as a potential like Jordan type elite hitter at mm. like in baseball, Ooh. probably a top five first baseman, but going into next season. Like, and it's not just, oh, this is a really cool story. Like people legitimately believe Vinny is a like a force to be reckoned with in baseball moving forward. It's really, really cool to see. I did some weird research over the offseason to find like pitch per plate appearance last year just to see if there's any correlation between like walk rates and pitch counts per per plate appearance. Vinny had the lowest pitch per plate appearance on the Royals last year somehow. He That's just wild. did not have a swinging strike. He was a 6.6% swinging strike rate last year. It was like a, uh, it he had like a, what, a 92% zone contact or something like that. That sounds right. Yep. But his walked just under 12%. But it was just, it blew my mind that he had the lowest per bat. He's a hunter, man. He goes up yeah. there looking for his pitch. And when he finds it, he's swinging. And I love it. I just love it. I think that's great. Yeah. I think for pitchers, Dick Lovelady, Richard Lovelady, he's been mm-hmm. injured. He's missed a lot of time. Um, three strikeouts in two innings. He's allowed a pair of hits by nothing too crazy, but I'm interested to see how he factors back into the picture there. And then hitting wise, Michael Garcia, man, four hits in six at bats, including a home run. He's got four ribbies. This is a guy that slashed uh, 274, 341, 463 in AAA last year, 110 weighted runs created plus. He has a little bit more pop than some people want to. Um, allow and talk about i don't think it's crazy but i think he has a little bit more than some people think i think also Mm. he has a high defensive ceiling i think the royals think he has a high defensive ceiling he's a good athlete he seems to be made up of the right stuff he had a really good winter stint and was playing really well Um, so i think this is a guy that he can take off and by mid season, maybe be an everyday starter for the Royals. Maybe some guy gets hurt in the infield. Maybe Hunter Dozier heats up and then gets traded, something like that. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen. I think that it's wishful thinking on the Royals behalf that I think they're going to, and this is another tangent. um, They're going to keep playing Hunter Dozier as much as they can, hoping he pulls a Carlos Santana and plays well enough for some oh, team yeah. to say, oh, well, we can we can fix him or we can keep him afloat like the Yankees or somebody, get him out of town for it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that's what they want to happen. Um, that kind of blocks Michael Garcia, I think. Also, Bobby Witt Jr., in a way, I guess, blocks him. And, like, I personally think Witt's going to end up at third base. I don't think he's going to improve enough at shortstop to make the Royals take Garcia off of that spot, which is weird because that's what – they're kind of doing right now, but Garcia's young. He's talented. Again, he's made up of the right stuff. Again, it's a six at bat plate appearance sample size. I couldn't really care less about what he's done so far, but Joel asked me a question and damn it. I gave him an answer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're going off of six plate appearances to make some sort of overarching mm-hmm. take, but you know, it's a really good point though. Like when that home run is, you've seen Michael Garcia run a few out. He did between yeah. double A and triple A last year. And, you know, it's not like they're, you know, they're monster shots, but that ball, he almost got it over the left field bullpen today. Like, well, that's not a cheapie in that park. And Joel, it was in on his hands, too. His OPS is 1.834. So I'm I just going to leave that there. And you, guys can steal, you can steal totally on that as much as you want. Yeah. I mean, a one dotter OPS. Good. good I can't you. even do that shit on the show. Dude, no. Like that is 
That is hard. <laughs> that is freaking and obviously again it's six six plate appearances but like i couldn't do that over six plate appearances on the show on rookie like i don't know if i could do that yeah hey good good for him go that's off more of an indictment on me than a real life you know fair enough yeah aspiring major league baseball player but so my but, two i'm gonna go with uh dylan coleman just because mm-hmm. i think he's gross and if they actually let him throw the sweeper breaking yeah. ball that he tinkered with last year and it seems like the previous pitching coach didn't want him to throw it for some reason now the slider he threw anyways is gross Mm -hmm. but when you pair a sweeper with a 100 mile an hour fastball there aren't gonna be many people that are gonna touch it five Mm -hmm. strikeouts in two innings two appearances now he's walked a couple hit hit a guy you know they're working the kinks out i'm not too worried about it um i i think both and what's unfortunate is i think both of his outings were not televised which sucks, yes. but um, regardless, like you look at the stats, like we, and we saw him come on the last two months of last season, really cut down on the walks. He had a sub three ERA. If Chapman closes, like I think they're going to give him the opportunity to, you know, go ahead. But at some point during the season, I fully believe that Dylan Coleman is going to pull a Greg Holland and take over that closer role and not let it go and not let it go for the rest of the time that he's in Kansas city. Because the stuff is that electric, the mentality on the mound is that you know it. He has that closer's mentality and closer's stuff. So I'm excited to see him kind of progress. And I just want to say this before we we move on, especially when it comes to pitchers. Like I see people losing their minds because a guy got shelled in one inning. For the most part, for like I saw people like you tweeted the the joke about Daniel or Daniel Lynch Cy Young futures, and I was like, oh, that's oh great. yeah. And I said, give him a bomb and a couple of runs. We're like, oh, Daniel Lynch sucks. Send him back down to Triple A. It's like that's the Josh Kaiser effect, is what that is. Well, I'm not. That's not. I'm just <laughs> more pointing out like that's the the ebb and flow of it because a lot of these early outings, guys are throwing one, two innings, and they go in with a plan of I'm going to if I get ahead, I'm going to throw my slider, or if I'm down in the count, I'm just going to throw the you know throw my changeup just to see if I can get it over. And they're working on these things, and if they get shelled, like results be damned. They're just working on stuff. So you can't take away a lot of those things, a lot of the results and a lot of the bad innings, just because, you know, you think the guy, if you think the guy sucks because you have some negative confirmation bias, like good for you. I think you're a terrible person, but that's fine. Go ahead. And have I can think day. of a couple people like that. I can think of a few. Um, and so if we, if by like the middle of March, we're still seeing some of those same yeah. things. Okay. We can have a conversation, but early on, you can't take anything away from these guys. One inning spurts of working on stuff like what, you know, whatever uh, my hitter, the Franimal Fran Mill Reyes mm. hit an absolute moon bomb in the first game. And we talked about it a little bit uh, on one of our, our last episodes about, you know, about a month ago that there was good. There's a log jam in the outfield a little bit. It's going to work itself out. They're going to find a way to, to get everybody in there. It just happens to be, unfortunately that drew waters has an oblique injury. He's out for about six weeks. So he's going to miss the first part of the season. Cause he'll, he'll just then be ramping up. So there's an open spot in the outfield and from Reyes signed a minor league contract. I got the invite to spring training and seems like a guy that could certainly make the opening day roster right now for this team. Rocking the number 99. I hope he goes out and hits a couple balls into the fountains. Gives us something fun to watch for a little bit. He feels like the type that maybe the Royals will stash in AAA and just going to bring up whenever they need the opportunity. But, hey, if he keeps hitting, man, 
like if he can get back to what he was in 2020, because go, go look at some of his previous seasons. He was not good last year. But in, yeah. I think, 2018 through 2020, 30-plus homers every year, he just crushes baseballs. He's such a huge dude. that mm-hmm. like He's just a fun player to watch. From the stuff I remember from him in San Diego, he's a really fun personality. Feels like he's going to fit in that locker room really well. I hope that you know maybe there's something there. It'll be really fun to have a, a Kyle Isbell um, – you know, maybe an MJ Melendez, Framil Reyes outfield, or you can platoon. Uh, you know, there maybe there's a platoon situation with Edward Olivares, who just keeps hitting. That all that's all that guy does, and I just hope he can stay healthy because mm-hmm. he is a legitimate force in the lineup when he's actually there. So, I think there's your your four outfielders right there, at least as it sits. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. I, I mean, there's plenty of flexibility there, too, with Eaton. Um, he's going to obviously be in the outfield mix as well. But, yeah, you've got four or five guys on the projected ro- or, uh, roster anyways for opening day. I'm, I think there's plenty of, uh, plenty of depth there that they can run with Fran Mills like a primary DH even at that point. Yeah. Um, if you want to, so, yeah, especially if Prado goes down to AAA, then you can put Vinny yeah. at first, and you can make Fran Mill the the DH. Mm-hmm. And I, that was one. I was looking at all the projections, like the preseason projections. All this is like, man, I know Vinny's going to get his, and MJ's going to have twenty some home runs. Bobby could be in the mix too, but there's just not very much power. It'd be great Sal, if yeah, they Salvi had a will get so, Salvi hopefully re- regains form, but yeah. man, like it'd you be get great a, to have a, a guy that comes in and hit dingers off the bench at any given moment potentially I mean, and then the next day they got framel's like that's it that'd be great i mean just the it, thought of a one through five with mj bobby salvi Vinny, Franmil. i mean mm-hmm. those are four guys liable to take you bridge at any point. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is also this is in one year the royals went from like well shit they don't have they're, they're going to put Ryan O'Hearn out there and they don't have any guys who can like reasonably take his spot for one reason or another, whether it's the Royals don't think they're ready or like they just don't have them on the roster or whatever. Now it's like, well, shit, like they have Edward Olivares. They have Drew Waters injury was like blessing in disguise is the wrong way to put it. But in the it, phrase it created of, some clarity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. In the phrase of like these things work themselves out. We say that a lot on this show. They kind of do. And, and injuries mm-hmm. is one of those things. Now they have Fran Mill Reyes, who 
when he's on, he rakes. And it's not Ryan O'Hearn where like he had the 44 game sample size as a rookie. And you're like, well, okay, this guy can do something. And then he didn't do crap for years after that. He actually can do stuff and has a track record of actually doing stuff. Um, I think Royals fans are going to like Fran Mill Reyes if he's 85, 90% of what he used to be. Um, and I think Royals fans should hit the like button on this podcast. They should hit the subscribe. Um, we're trying to grow this YouTube channel. Very excited for this season. We're going to be back routinely now that baseball is back. Um, I, I'm going to try to improve on my segues and, and transitions as the season goes on. I'm not in midseason form yet. I'm, I'm not out of the race Spring come August or September. Y'all. Exactly. I'm not out of the race come <laughs> August. So um, we're, we're working on it, and I, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Mm. You did a great job in my book. It was a great job. It's a damn shame. Damn shame. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking something up here. Okay, mm. so Framil Reyes, like he's never been a guy that that walks a ton. He walks like I think it was eight, eight, four, eight, six, ten percent, nine percent. And they only walked six point three percent. And he had a career high uh K rate last year. Yeah. Negative one point one more. So you know, this is a bit of a buy low situation, but his zips projection, if he plays a full season, is 246, 305, 458, 25 homers, 1.7 war. You know, maybe there's something there. I don't know if he'll be a full season guy for the Royals, but, you know, maybe there's something there. It's, it's how many plate appearances is, is that projection? Um, I think it was 505. Okay. So they, yeah, they're getting, it's quite a few. Yeah, that would be a full season for sure. That's healthy. I'll take it. I mean, I, I'm fine with that. That's that would be <laughs> what that'd be like uh, 105 WRC plus, well, which would probably be like I think it, I think it was about 110 on the team last year. I think I and think like, was, yeah. I think that was what the projection was. If he's getting a huge amount of at bats, it's not a problem this year. Where that means he's not playing well. Like this year, if he's getting that many at bats, that means he's raking in and effing it up. You know, in a, in a yeah, good way. Right. It's not like yeah. you have. Hunter Dozier out there, and I hate to keep beating that dead horse, but like if Hunter Dozier has a billion plate appearances this year, I I think at a certain point the Royals would finally just bench him at, at some point and be like, dude, you're not gonna play. I wouldn't bet that if he's struggling immensely, he's gonna be an everyday player this year, and he might not be quite an everyday player this year anyway. But um, you get the premise of like if Fran Reyes sucks this year. The Royals are going to know it after a month, and they're not going to keep playing him out there every day, or even mm-hmm. close to every day. Yeah, I don't see that being. I think they'll run him out there a third on opening day, but if by the beginning of May he's not he's yeah. not showing any signs of turning it around, I could definitely see that scenario. And they bring up Michael Garcia, or they throw Nate Eaton there, and do what they probably should have done early on, like mm-hmm. on opening day, if we're being real, and mm-hmm. just said, "Hey, here we go." Um. To talk a little more about spring training as a whole, we've seen the uh, the implementation of the, some of these new rules and uh, things that they're they're trying to get going in Major League Baseball. So you have uh, the shift rule, uh, the and then the pitch clock specifically. Mm-hmm. Have you guys had the opportunity to watch any of these spring training games, and what are your thoughts on on both of those? Go ahead, Josh. Uh, I mean. With being on the Royals Farm Report podcast last year, I watched a lot of minor league games, and mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how many games like 
I would pick, I would start watching first third innings, had to walk away, put kids to bed or whatever. And I'd come back and it's top of the ninth after like an hour that missing the game sucks. Nope. Don't get me wrong. But the fact that it's that quick, that pitch clock, and it's, it's like a 20, 25 minute difference in average runtime, but that is such a huge pace of play improvement that it is just a completely different game. And I, it's going to get, it's going to get guys here in spring training. They're still getting used to it. They're getting used to it in live situations. We saw that. Uh, was it a uh, in the game on it on a, a batter? Oh yeah, on on the strike strike. they got to yeah. tinker with that stuff. But yeah, yeah, and, and that's why it's spring training. Absolutely, and they're going to have to get their internal clock on it and and whatever, what have you. But I I think for the game itself, it is very very good. I have the attention span of a goldfish, so. It is very good for me. I'm very in on the pitch clock. The bases, I don't know. They say it's for player safety. I, I don't really care. It's going to lead to a lot of more stolen bases, apparently, which is going to be more action, more more runs. I'm into it. So I, I'm in on all these uh, all these offense-friendly uh, pitching changes for sure. I am too. Like, quit being freaking boring. Quit, mm-hmm. quit being stuck up. Quit being uh, an old head. Like, get with the program. <laughs> People are watching baseball yeah. like they should be. People aren't supporting baseball like they should be. People are not uh, speaking about baseball how they should be. People are not following baseball how they should be. Getting these changes in there, yeah, there's going to be a bit of a a transition and acclimation period for, like, players and even for the teams and for the league as a whole. But, like, if they don't work, you could always change stuff in the future. And, like, I I personally don't like the ghost runner rule and they – they doubled down on that. We're like, it's not going anywhere. And they were doing all that stuff. Like nothing, they can't bat a thousand and no one can. Um, but I think more stolen bases is good. Quicker baseball games are good. And I, I forget people are complaining about, Oh, people aren't bringing that up for, you know, other, other stuff. It, baseball is a very unique thing in that it, it's a problem. It's an active problem. Like for us on this podcast, it's not a problem. We'll watch baseball. Right. Like even though sometimes you're like, God, this game's been going on forever. Like it'd be great <laughs> if it was like even 5% faster. Like, man, yep. I really want to like, if I make a list of things I did today, I don't want watch baseball to be literally it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think it's good for the game. The players will get over it. I like the tidbit about like, once the broadcasts are going in the regular season, you won't be able to see the the little pitch clock anymore. Like it's going to be framed a certain way. I think that's a good boost. So I think they'll have it probably like, somewhere on there just for they got to, right? Sake. Like because it was so it's so close knit to where like yeah, I, I don't know, but like I'm not going to be standing up yelling at my TV like counting down the the stuff and right. Um, I, I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> I think. 15 seconds is long enough and you get 20 right with runners on base. So I I think it'll work out. So I I think the, the pitch clock, like in a vacuum is a good thing. And you can tell like pace of play. I mean, it was jarring at first. I watched the the first game that was Mariners Padres. And Mm -hmm. I, and I had it on my desk when I was at work and I, I working on stuff, sent a couple emails. I look over and the inning was already over. Oh Mm -hmm. geez. Like I missed everything. I will say after a couple more watches and by the end of April, we're not going to notice the pitch clock near as much yeah. as we are yeah. right now, just because it is so unique and different, mm-hmm. but at times it does feel fast for fast sake. 
it's a like little, I think yeah, bit. like the fifteen and twenty. I think they need to move it to like twenty and twenty five, just to have a little bit. And that's still going to shave ten to fifteen minutes off a game, which is what the intention of this is, anyways. Hmm. So just because think about like pitchers, I know they're not you know, running around, you know, like crazy, like NBA or NFL players are, but it's still pretty physically exhausting to do this, make it, you know, throw a ball 95 miles an hour, unnatural motion with your arm, all that stuff. And it's in, you know, the middle of August in Kansas city where we know it's hotter than two squirrels in a wool sock. Like Ichiro likes to say, and pitchers have to go there every 15 seconds and throw and throw and throw like the exhaustion and the fatigue that I think would set in there. Like that yeah. just feels like, too much. I think that extra five seconds on either end will actually end up being more beneficial to guys than just make them throw, make them throw, make them throw. Like I, I think it'll end up being like I, I think they're they're gonna have to tinker with it, which is why I'm glad they're working on this now in spring training. But that's that's my only thing that I would change is just bump the pitch clock back a hair, and then I think it's still good. I think the old pace will still work just fine. Yeah, I, I think, and that's definitely valid. Like another five seconds in both scenarios wouldn't be a bad thing necessarily. And I do think for young players, on one hand, like you don't have as much time to get in your own head and let things keep ballooning. But Correct. also on the other hand, you don't have enough time to like sit and think really that much yeah. and really get to the nitty gritty of stuff. And usually that comes in the dugout in between innings or whatever. But also Zach Grinky is a good example last year there were a few games where he said after the game in the locker room, like I just needed to take a second and decompress and think and rest. And part of that's physical because he's like a billion years old. Part of it's also mental because he thinks and thinks and thinks. And some of these guys that truly care and are truly elite at what they do. I'm not saying it's going to derail a career, but like maybe you take Jackson Coar, for example, and you're like, it could either be really, really good for a Jackson Coar and that he can't get his, in his own head and get absolutely shelled and then keep getting absolutely shelled and something clicks, or it gets worse and he like doesn't want to be there and he's like, I hate this. I wanna I wanna go home. I wanna be done with this game. And I'm not saying that all MLB players are mentally fragile or that it would affect them necessarily, but I know what you're saying. I know if though. I was yeah, up there, yeah. it would it would have some sort of impact on me. I just don't know what uh which good or bad it would be i i think we will see times this year where if it's a really big pitch in a really big spot and it's a it's a oh two count one two count yeah. you know high lever situation pitchers really try or pitchers really have to think like man what do i want to go here i could see them just stepping off and taking the automatic ball and like okay it's sure. one two whatever let just get, i needed that extra 20 seconds to think about this okay now let's go hmm. or same situation like you know, two runners on, two outs, bottom of the eighth, and a batter's, you know, it's a two, uh, it's a two-o count. And he really is like, okay, I don't want to get too over aggressive here. All right, I'll just take the automatic strike. Okay, two one, let's go. I, I think their teams will end up being a little more strategic with it, and certain players that are confident in their ability will be a little more strategic with it and go, okay, like I don't mind taking that extra strike because two one, two versus two one. It for a lot of guys, it doesn't change the situation for them. May change what the pitcher's going to do though so then there's that kind of psychological change as well on the on the opposite end so and that, that and that was something i think everybody thought that a guy like max scherzer was going to lose his mind the first time he's get he gets called for a pitch clock violation he came out in a press conference yesterday saying he is thinking of it like he is going to use it to his advantage because the batter has to be ready 
for at the eight second mark, I believe. Yeah. And he's going to use every one of those seconds to use yep. like psychological warfare warfare on that hitter, which I, I mean, I always love Max Scherzer. Anyways, I love Max Scherzer. He really, he yeah. is he's so cool. Silver lining this whole situation when everybody was like, he is going to lose his mind the first time he gets it. I love it. I, I, it just makes me love Scherzer even more. So I think the guys are kind of seeing the upside to this, both in game for the game and of the game. I don't think that makes sense, but you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to the shift, there's going to be teams that are still going to do something like there, there are teams that are going to move their left fielder in and basically be that Rover spot Mm. and run two outfielders. Like I know the Rays are going to do that crap like immediately. So I'm curious how, how often teams do it. It's still going to happen. You're still going to see shifted players. Like it's inevitable. But they're try as much as MLB wants to try and, and rein it in. It doesn't matter. It's the it's the same thing with just baseball players have tried, you know, bending the rules and trying to find little things to to cheat, get away with whatever for so long that they're going to find ways around this and loopholes mm. to try and and make this work. That uh, that it's still going to happen. So getting rid of the shift entirely is not going to happen. It's just a matter of how teams are going to find ways to implement it to still take away hits. Mm-hmm. Yep. I didn't even notice the bigger bases, if we're being honest. Have you now, seen the I... meme? Yes. <laughs> Where it's like, here, here's the base. Here's the base. This I'm like, it, it's really, it, I did not notice either. I, I huh. didn't notice now when I go, I'm, I'm actually going to opening day with my dad. And I know that when I go, I love to sit and watch the field get prepped before, like, you know, right after yeah. BP yeah, yeah. and they lay the bases down. I'm going to notice it then because I've watched <laughs> the same well, 15 by 15 base for, you know, as long as I'm watching baseball since I was two years old. So it's, that's going to be a little different. But again, it's kind of like the pitch clock, kind of like any, anything else. By the end of April, we're not going to notice it. And it's just going to be another thing on the field. Do you, do they still do the Sunday, like, kid day at the k where you can run, run the bases, bases afterwards I, or I whatever think so yeah joel yep. you should go do that and then like investigate how big those but yeah steal a base literally or be like hey this is my analysis hashtag analytics on the new base or like i felt it was this much faster like time yourself and then go run it like a high school field or something or that's a bad comparison i, I don't know i'm it's not running feet, i'm too out know. of shape for that i've I got run around upstairs in the living room with my two-year-old and i'm like nah dude i but I, but I easily, very easily, can convince my two-year-old to go and run around Kauffman Stadium. Oh, for sure, that won't that mm-hmm. won't take much convincing. I had to go look. I wanted to see what Vinny Pasquantino's projected stolen bases. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Joel, give a guess. Two. I'm gonna guess f- four. Okay, so let's set the over/under. It's two on zips. Oof. Set the over under two and a half. Let's say two and a half. Over. You guys, think, with these big he, pizza box bases. And I that, think he gets three. And all of I'd them are the three. backside of a double steal. Okay. I'd give him three. Yeah. I, I just, I was curious about What do you that. think? That's my only addition there. Hold on a second. Um, I want to. How many players were named Billy in baseball history? Good Lord. Okay. Live lookup. <laughs> What is Billy Butler's career high in stolen bases in a regular season? He did it twice. Four. In 2010 and 2011. Sorry, 2011, 2012. Joel, what do you think? Four. Okay, Josh. I was, I was, I was going to say three. 
It was two. He had mm-hmm. stolen base uh, totals of zero, zero, one, zero, two, two, zero, 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 zero. I think, I mean, I think Vinny can hit that over pretty easily. Yeah. I'm with that. And obviously Vinny runs faster than Billy Butler did. That was a bad comp. I, but so. I was just curious. A little trivia. Yeah. All right. Do you guys have any uh, any final thoughts here tonight before we, before we wrap this up? Like, let's let's just make it a tradition to have like one random topic at the end of this thing, just like non baseball related, just to to get us through. I, um, I had a baseball but, one. Yeah, oh, I got one really? more base one too. Okay, let's do one baseball and then we'll we'll hit a non baseball one after. Let's go, Which Jordan. One? You go first. I. It's spring training, guys. It's five games or six by the time you're listening to this or seven or eight or whatever it is. Like if you are stressed out or actively pounding the table for something or actively like flipping the table over for something or screaming or like sending angry tweets, like it's, it's March. You're listening to this on March 1st or March 2nd or March 3rd, whenever it is like stop it. It's not that deep. It is spring training. It is early in spring training. The Royals have too many new things going on. They have too much of a long-term view for you to be that pissed off that Hunter Dozier got the start at third base, and then they redid the lineup, and he was not one of the people that got yanked out of it. And then, you know, they trotted out Jackson Coar again, and then Jordan Lyles has more innings than Daniel Lynch or any of that stuff. Until there's like a fundamental in regular season red flag thing that's popping up and you're like, holy crap, this needs to be changed. Like the Royals are, are throwing it and blowing it. Calm down. It's not that deep. It's spring training. I know that as humans and baseball fans, and if you're listening, Royals fans, people like to, to have that undying emotion, good and bad, you know, for the team, but yeah, just relax, take a breath relax everything maybe isn't going to be okay but like you can't predict whether it is or not and the Royals aren't going to win 90 games this year I'm sorry to let you know that but they could win 75 and still have I don't really believe in moral victories a ton but have a lot of moral victories this season so um, Mm -hmm. I've seen some negative tweets that is my um, final tangent of the show chill out take a breath roll for everything slow your roll and that applies to everything Know your role, shut your mouth, or at least when you open it, be a bit more calm and reasonable. I I don't know why I'm even pitching this because it's just going to make people yeah. more pissed off. Josh, yeah. I, I'm Go pitching ahead. it to you. I threw 17 tomatoes at your face just now, and you don't even know it. It's I can uh, edit that in the video. Okay, yeah, do that. I, I also cannot believe you hit the know your role, shut your mouth, and not hit the jabroni. That is a huge, I, huge. I didn't want to act like I was ripping the guy off or anything. Well, like I, I mean, it's Casey. We're uh, we're big cheese fans, obviously, except for you know the guy who messed up the who fumbled the quote there. No big deal. Rams suck. But hey, at least you anyway, got that I mean, first round do. pick to look forward to, right? <laughs> it's always worth the ring in retrospect. The Royals. Okay. Hey, I'm just saying. No one's complaining that the Royals, you know, well, actually they are because they're saying, oh, the Royals won the World Series, I have to get back, even though that was like a huge outlier kind of. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Flags fly forever. That's all good. Josh, flags fly forever. Yeah. The uh, the main thing, I, I 
to quote Pat McAfee show, Nick Lofton is jocked. He put he like seeing him on the screen. I was like, that is Nick Lofton. And I had to go back and look up what his weight was last year. Yeah. He was uh, apparently, according to baseball reference, 6'1, 180. His comp seems like the last like two seasons has been Whit Merrifield, who was 6'1, 195 or something like that, I think. And I never really thought, you know, the body taps were the same because Nick Lofton wasn't that big. 20 pounds of muscle, and boy, he shows it, man. He is absolutely jacked. Way different body type, and immediately hits. He goes. He uh, uh, drops dick and goes home run. Uh, I, I I was leery about it, cautiously optimistic about Nick Lofton, and I am all the way in on Nick Lofton right now. Oh yeah, huge Nick Lofton guys here. I, I think he's going to be really good. I'm, he, I'm excited to he see whenever he to potentially center field type body type to hot corner. Probably, or you could factor in at third base. You know, I think there there's a lot of scenarios where he could he could factor he's, in, but I, I he's making his debut this year for sure, unless uh, something goes horribly wrong. But I think Nick Lofton is going to factor into the 2023 team at uh, some point. I don't know if I necessarily have like any Royals final thoughts here. I think I'm just happy that I'm watching baseball consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's you know games on every day. The World Baseball Classic is coming up next week, which is going to be awesome. A lot of represented in there Vinny and Nikki playing for team Italy Bobby and Brady playing for team USA Ronald Bolaños is on Cuba Carlos Hernandez and Salvi are on Venezuela uh, and I'm forgetting somebody but regardless like there, there's a lot of Royals represented so it's gonna be really cool mm-hmm. my non-baseball final thought here uh what is your favorite non-sports podcast like what's your go-to non-sports podcast right now I don't have one. I'm so sorry. I I am the world's worst podcast listener. Like I subscribe to probably 30 shows and I can probably count on one hand the amount of like not just shows, but episodes I've listened to in the past month. Like I, I work from home. I drive a lot. I have some long drives and like, I still just cannot force myself to listen. And it's entirely a me problem and I'm working on it by the time we talk next week. I will have at least two, not just episodes, two different shows that I listen to. You have my word. Okay. like it. Um, I I could give out two shout-outs, actually. Uh, First one is probably Armchair Expert. I love me some Dax Shepard, and and I usually kind of cherry-pick the the good guests, but they just had Paul Rudd on uh, last week, and I'm a big Paul Rudd guy. So uh, shout-out to Dax Shepard and the Armchair Expert. The other one is How Did This Get Made? And it's Paul Shear. June Diane Raphael and Jason Manzukas, three like comedic actors, improv stars, but they go through awful movies and they just absolutely rip it to shreds. Just find out all kinds of well, it, they some of them they really like uh, because they're so bad. Like the Fast and the Furious, they love it, and I do too for the same reasons. But it's just very very funny. They have a great rapport. Uh, very funny grouping there they always usually have a special guest that's a comedian that's usually very funny as well so uh, how did this get made also one of my favorite non-sports podcasts my favorite right now is one called are you garbage and it's these two like yes just bum guys from philly like they're two comedians but like they just sit around and they they actually interview comedians and they basically go through their full life story to find out like did they grow up like 
kind of like classier or they just white trash like the rest of us and so it's just that or like when they get together like they have a patreon they they take subscriber questions of just like white trash garbage stuff that they did and like is it garbage if i do this so they just it, it's just really funny in a mindless listen as like mm-hmm. you know if like a stressful work day or whatever and i'm listening to sports talk radio like that's fine but occasionally i just want to laugh at some stupid stuff and that this constitutes that so if you need something mindless like that check out are you garbage it's it's really funny and they also do stand-up like they do like a stand-up comedy tour as well Mm. where you can actually like watch them do this live it's actually pretty cool but i think that's gonna do it for one royal way this week we will be back next week weekly from now on uh, as we are now into the season. So we'll have more to talk about next week with WBC getting going. We'll have a bigger sample of spring training games. Lots to talk about. We're so excited. For Jordan Foote, Josh Kaiser, I'm Joel Penfield. We'll catch you all next week. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.